SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Sam. Just after five minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant and Google from Fupi with you on this Friday evening all the way to 6.30. First up, as always, Google has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. The South African Poultry Association says about 20,000 jobs could be lost if government does not clamp down on the imports of low-quality chicken. Now, this comes after the local producers face serious operational challenges emanating from a flood of low-quality imported chicken from Brazil and the European Union specifically. The organization adds that South Africa has one of the most unprotected markets in the world, and the EU and Brazil are taking advantage of this by dumping massive quantities of cheap chicken in our country. South Africa's Times Media Group plans to sell its 51% shareholding in map integration technologies to TomTom Africa in a deal worth just under 40 billion rand. Times Media says the proceeds will be used for future acquisitions that are more aligned to its core business. And Canadian authorities have charged Nestle and Mars, as well as a network of independent wholesale distributors, over an illegal criminal conspiracy to fix the prices of leading chocolate bars. If convicted, they face a fine of up to 100 million rand and imprisonment for a term of up to five years. Taking a look at the markets, the JCO share index is closed up in positive territory, up by more than 1% at 40,813 points. One rand will get you, or rather one rand is at 9 rand 98 to the US dollar, 15.50 against the British pound and 13.21 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,382 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $104 and the platinum price at $1,498 an ounce. Thanks, Google. Wayne McCurry of Momentum Wealth with us as he is every Friday. Wayne, market up nicely today? Yes. Kind of up all the way through the day? Yeah, it was a return to a little bit more stability in, in, in the market. And other than gold shares, because the gold, pre- the gold price fell quite significantly, the whole market essentially was green. A, a couple of uh, 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 shares that stand out. I mean, you can hardly believe it. It's lucky we're sitting down. But Telcom is up 6%. <laughs> you can hardly believe it. So, but, I mean, right across the board, Richmond's up. All the, all the banks are doing, doing, doing quite nicely. The banking index up about 1%. Some resource shares also up quite nicely. Mixara um, was very, very strong. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's green right across the board other than gold. Currency coming back about 1%. We mm. headed towards 10 Rand again. Yeah, no, it, 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 it got down to below 9 Rand 90 this morning. So the currency has been volatile despite the fact that the equity market's been relatively stable. And it went above 10. And look, the market's got the jitters about the Rand. Yeah. Now, what's going to change direction? Who knows? But the Rand is oversold at this price. It's massively oversold. But for the, I suppose, for the direction to change, you, you essentially need some good news. Mm. You need some good news to come out, uh, you know, a policy statement or economic news or, or something to come out. And unfortunately, at the moment, we're just getting bad news. Speaking about uh, economic data, but this time from the U.S., they uh, published their unemployment numbers, ticking up slightly higher than what was initially expected yeah. by 7.6%. This also lifted the dollar strength ever so slightly. Yeah, but look, what the, 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 the real key there was the, uh, the number of jobs created. It was in line to slightly above expectations, and it's really just a confirmation that although the U.S. economy is not surging ahead by a long margin, it's at least going on the right path. It's at least getting better, you know, fairly, actually quite quite consistently, I must say. It's getting better, and you just saw dollar strengthen, and you saw gold and platinum and silver just take a walloping, quite frankly. I mean, they fell quite significantly 
Um, the platinum shares weren't too affected. In fact, they're up. But as I said earlier, on the gold shares are quite negatively affected. Price of gold down two percent. Uh, silver down three percent. Platinum down two percent. Yeah. Those are big. big yeah, these are big moves in one day. Oil, oil didn't fall. Mm. I mean, these are all dollar-priced assets, so it shows you that the good economic news uh, didn't affect the, the, the oil price too much. But, I mean, the Dow is up a full percent, the European markets are up. So it's a good day in general for equity. Any concerns about Asia, though? They've been in negative territory for quite a while, uh, a majority of this week, uh, taking a look at the Nikkei, the Shima, yeah. as well as the Hang Seng. I, I learned many, many, many years ago, don't try and predict which way the Nikkei is going. Uh, when I started on investments in Nikkei was 42,000, the next stop was 7,000, mm. and now it's what, 13,000, yeah, 14,000, yeah, wherever the number is now. Any market of that size that can fall or go up 5, 6% in a day, mm. when no other market's doing the same thing, uh, there's just massive volatility there. I, I think, personally, I think you've got to be brave to invest there, but there's tons of cheap money in, in Japan problem is there's been tons of cheap money there for 20 years and it's made no difference. Let's take a look at some companies' uh, news now. Uh, WBHL, Wilson Bailey Homes, uh, publishing a business update today. Their order book increasing ever so slightly from 23.5 billion rand this year compared to 22 billion rand. Majority of its work coming from Australia. A modest increase for the construction company, but at least an increase nonetheless. Yeah, look, this is one of the better construction companies. Um, and... Yeah, it, it does look a little bit better, but and they're all trying to get business outside of South Africa, mm. but it just seems incredibly competitive outside of South Africa. And there are quite a few companies, namely the biggest one, that, that has not been successful and has been burnt by these external contracts. The problem is there's no margin left in South Africa either. And, you know, in the good years, you know, there weren't enough people to do the work. Now there's not enough work to do the people. <laughs> Are there still concerns, though, about the uh, Competition Commission yeah, investigation into be. the collusion of construction No, of there will be that. Construction this, has, this has ramifications that endure for a very, very long time, and quite rightly so. I mean, it's an easy thing to say, and there's always extenuating circumstances, and all, all people will argue all different things, like the poultry people, mm. but they, they're actually criminals doing it. It's against the law of the country. To, to have this collusion on, 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 on prices. And no matter how you might uh, 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 present it to the public or, to, or via the press, etc., I mean, this is a serious thing to happen to a company to be involved and found guilty by the competition. You can't just laugh it off. I mean, it mm. actually is a criminal offence. When we saw an uh, announcement update from Sassol, the, the chief financial officer yes. there, Christine Ramon, providing investors with an update, she uh, expects solid p- operational performance. But what is interesting is if you read through, and this is a very lengthy announcement, I mean, it goes on for pages and yeah. pages and pages, uh, a lot of context given as to where... Uh, the macro factors are where the rand was and is, mm. where the oil price was and is, yeah. where their basket price was and is, and their basket price largely unchanged actually. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the weak rand helps them mm. tremendously. But it all boils down to the fact that Sassel's a 10 PE ratio, so it's at a significant discount to the market. And I think these are one of the good solid buys for, for a long time period. Uh, we've spoken about it quite extensively on the program before. But this whole gas story in South Africa eventually and in the U.S. quite specifically right now, this is extremely positive for Cecil long, longer term.
We are uh, we're seeing the the Cecil B E shares those are traded on the JSC. Those hitting fresh record highs almost every day now. Yeah, but the, but yeah, quite just. I mean, Cecil's quite a bit off their record high in two thousand eight. Mm. But then all the, all the resources, not 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 all of them, but most of the resources shares are, and yet the oil price is very sticky. I mean, I'm not even going to say above above a hundred. It's very sticky above ninety mm. because that that is the cost of production. The effective cost of production of the big world oil, you know, even though uh, some uh, OPEC members might, the physical cost of getting it out the ground is significantly lower than that. But when you add on all the government expenditure that they can only get from oil revenue, the the governments themselves will effectively go bankrupt if the price stays below 90 for too long. So there seems to be a definitive flaw on oil at about 90. I think that will all change when gas comes on, but gas is still quite a, quite a long way out. Here's one that not too many people will remember. Uh, I certainly don't. So you probably do, Wayne. 17 years ago, today, exactly 17 years ago, the JSE shifted from the trading floor. The, the kind yes, of I remember. New York it. Stock Exchange. Open outcry. Traders, yeah, open outcry to the current uh, system, which is all automated. Yeah, I the can, JSE I can today, there's, there's not much there. No, there's not much in the old Diagonal Street building. Uh, but oh, not even in. Oh, uh, no, 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 it's, like, it's, it's like an office block. Hmm? You know, it's an office block with 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 uh, with a coffee shop down down downstairs. Now, look, I can remember the open outcry. I wouldn't say with fond memories, but it was mm-hmm. very very different. Um, there was there was a pub right next door to the actual floor. It was a shorter walk to the pub than it was to the to the toilet. So I think a few <laughs> chaps uh, in 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 sort of quiet afternoons spent a couple of afternoons there. And the restaurant, the Bull and Bear, that was in the old building, was a fantastic restaurant in its day. And when the when the floor closed, all the little printed names that used to be on the board that used to write with chalk. They were all auctioned off, and a lot of the investment companies had these little mementos from the open floor days. Also strenuous on the voice, Wayne? A little bit, and chaps used to sit in the back with binoculars so they could see what the prices <laughs> of shares were trading at. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, it's just after a quarter past six this Friday evening. Financial advice, authors and books are a dime a dozen. Carl Richards is different, though. Sure, his bestseller, The Behavior Gap, Simple Ways to Stop Doing Dumb Things with Money, will be found amongst the hundreds and thousands of other advice books in bookstores or, indeed, on Amazon. Richards, though, is a certified financial planner. He's a weekly contributor to The New York Times. But beyond that, he's used simple sketches to make complex financial concepts easy to understand. Many of us, myself included, would have seen some of his napkin sketches, we call them serviettes here, over the past number of years without even realizing that they're his. Often the ideas in the sketches are so blindingly obvious. He also writes, as I mentioned, uh, for the New York Times. And one of his posts on the New York Times really stood out for me uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's entitled, In Soccer and Investing, the Bias is Towards Action. Now, we love football in South Africa. We love soccer. I uh, personally love soccer as well. We obviously hosted the FIFA World Cup here not too long ago. And there's a lot that we can relate to when it comes to soccer. I spoke with Carl yesterday uh, afternoon and asked him to take us through his thinking when it comes to soccer and investing. Yeah, it was, it was, I just found it fascinating that there had been a study done. Now, I remember when I, I played soccer all through high school, and I remember when we had a penalty kick, um, I remember thinking, hey, if the goalie, if you remember, like, goalies always dive 
Hmm. And because of, we all know, like, I mean, the short distance and the time, there's no time for reaction. So it turns out most soccer goalies, now on the professional level, it gets a little bit more nuanced than this, but still, most of them pick a side and they dive before they even know what side the ball is going to because they don't have time. Hmm. And so they they did a little study to figure out, like, how often did they pick right? It turns out they dive most of the time, they only stay in place, like 20% of the time do they stand in the middle. And, um, But, however, 30% of the strikes are right down the middle. So effectively, to sort of you know make a long story very short, effectively a goalie could basically double their save rate if they just did nothing. You know what I mean? Like if they mm. just stood there, they could effectively now. Of course, the strikers would would change their methods, and, and they, but but based on the past, if a goalie just stood there, they could effectively double their save rate. Now the problem is, try telling a goalkeeper that. You know, no no goalkeeper is going to stand there. In fact, when they told them in this study, when this is a real study done of professional goalies, when they told them, they said, you know, are you crazy? I would look so silly. You know, everybody else is diving. You know, what about the balls that go to the left or to the right, and I'm standing there in the middle? So it turns out even after being told that we could be more effective by just doing nothing, there's this this bias towards action because it's it's what everybody else is doing. And I think we make that same mistake when it comes to investing. I mean, there, we have been told over and over and over that the key to investing, like people, people like Warren Buffett said, um, that the hallmark of his investment strategy is benign neglect bordering on sloth. <laughs> you know? And, and yet here we are, most of the time, always doing something. Why? Because it seems like everybody else around us is doing something. So we have this bias towards action. The idea of of sketching these uh, these ideas and these concepts on on pieces of paper on napkins with a sharpie we'll we'll call it a cokey pen uh, here in South Africa yeah. simple sketches to to illustrate sometimes very complicated uh, concepts where did that idea come from Yeah you know it it really started when I mean I was a financial advisor and I was sitting across the table from people trying to make you know really some of the most important decisions of their lives and they had blank stares on their faces. You know, you know what I mean? They just mm-hmm. didn't. We most of us don't understand money. I mean, it's a different language, and and the industry, you know, financial advisors and the investment industry often don't help because we, we for some reason we've decided complexity is some sort of sign of intellectual prowess or something. And so I picked up a pen one day. You know, I had a yellow pad there. I said, well, you know, like this, and I drew the concept. And I'm not a good, I mean, it will be obvious to anybody who sees my work that I'm not, I have no artistic talent. So it was just, maybe it was the approachability of the sketches, but I noticed everything changed when I tried to, tried to draw it out. Um, because you had to, you had to narrow this complex issue down to just like the core essence of what mattered, um, in order to draw it. In terms of your your philosophy when it comes to investing, is there is there a core philosophy at at the root of it all? Yeah, the core philosophy is that behavior matters a lot more than skill, and and I can explain it real fast. I mean, on average, the average investor underperforms the average investment, and that's that's almost hard to understand. How do we do that? I mean. The way we do it is we are always looking for the next best thing. 
we find, you know, let's say a mutual fund, for instance, we find a mutual fund that we think is going to be great or a unit trust here, right? Mm. We find a unit trust here, we invest our money, and it's supposed to be long-term. But the average hold time for unit trust in the States, at least, is under three years. So we quickly get bored. We quickly either get disappointed. We see something bright and shiny on the horizon, so we buy that. And that well-intentioned behavior actually produces a result that's suboptimal. I mean, it actually ends up costing us money. So my core philosophy when it comes to investing just is like you could buy a mediocre investment, Mm -hmm. and if you just behave correctly – You'll you know you'll outperform 99% of your neighbors. That's Carl Richards, there, author and columnist for the New York Times, and the full interview will be available on MoneyWeb.co.today as well as our apps on Monday morning. Ten years ago, we hosted the inaugural Kimberley Process Summit. For the second time, South Africa is chair of this important international structure. On behalf of all South Africans. I am proud to welcome back members of the Kimberley process to a renewal of our collective commitment to an equitably prosperous world, free of conflict damage. This message is brought to you by the South African government. 22 and a half minutes after 6 o'clock. Well, if you're a miner or in the mining sector, things are very confusing right now indeed. I'm not talking about the uncertainty in platinum or when it comes to organized labor and wage demands. Rather, a piece of legislation has come into effect today, five years after being drafted. That's not the confusing part. What's strange is that these amendments themselves will be superseded by more amendments before the end of this year. My colleague Jeff Candy of MineWeb.com spoke with Weber Wenzel partner Peter Leon, who's head of their Africa Mining and Energy Practice, and asked him about the confusion. Well, uh, Jeff, there are two issues. Uh, the one is that the, um, the Amendment Act of 2008 uh, which was assented to in 2009, is now being put into effect. Uh, and the second thing is, and this is why it's confusing, the MPRDA Amendment Bill, which amends the MPRDA and the Amendment Act, is going to be taken to Parliament sometime later this month, introduced to Parliament, probably only be um, discussed when Parliament comes back for the winter recess in August. But uh, so there, there are really two major developments. The one is the implementation of the Amendment Act, as I say, which was passed five years ago, sent it to four years ago, uh, is now being put into effect. And then the Amendment Bill, uh, which amends the MPRDA and the Amendment Act, uh, is going to Parliament shortly. Um, just to explain you know, why all this is relevant, um, the Amendment Act was passed, as I say, five years ago. Um, and it makes a number of changes to uh, the Mineral Petroleum Resource Development Act around uh, uh, some key regulatory issues. For example, it makes it much harder to obtain a prospecting right, um, effectively introduces certain competition law concepts uh, into the grant of a prospecting right and also makes macroeconomic empowerment mandatory for prospecting rights, whereas previously it was discretionary. And then on the transfer of rights, um, it, which rather bizarrely requires the Minister's, the Minister of Mineral Resources' written consent uh, for the transfer of a controlling interest 
in a listed company, uh, which uh, was never previously required. Uh, and uh, obviously, that's really, uh, I would have thought, the province of the securities regulator, and in South Africa's case, the Securities Regulation Panel and the Competition Authorities, not the Minerals Ministry. Um, and it, it makes uh, a whole lot of other changes around um, the conversion of rights, obviously bearing in mind that the Act was passed five years ago when the conversions were still underway. Um, most conversions have happened as a conversion from the old regime to the new one, but there's still some outstanding. Um, and effectively, this Amendment Act says that if the conversion, um, the minister can refuse to grant a conversion, um, whereas previously she could not, um, and that obviously has security of tenure consequences. That's Peter Leon, their partner, as well as head of Weber Wenzel's Africa Mining and Energy Projects Practice. Wayne, stranger than fiction, I guess. Uh, the I, I Department say, of Mineral Resources is completely unaware of, of this. I, I, I must say, when I, when I read about this story, look, it's hellishly complex in its detail and how it all works, but that's the actual problem, is that there's uncertainty because you... I mean, the Department of Mineral Resources doesn't know what's coming next. These amendments were shelved in, you know, in 2008. It just shows you when, when, when people talk about policy uncertainty, it just doesn't attract money. Money just goes somewhere else when there's uncertainty. And it doesn't mean that, that someone's doing a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, they might be doing a good thing, but the mere fact that there's uncertainty, you'd rather go somewhere... You know, better the devil you know almost. You'd rather go somewhere where at least you know it's certain. It's not going to change tomorrow. Whereas on, on Friday, you know, the world, it doesn't seem like much to an involved party, but on Friday the mining world changed again because all of a sudden this law came up hmm. out of the blue. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, software and services giant Microsoft has launched a campaign to help 3,000 graduates in the IT space find jobs within the sector here in South Africa. Cabello Makwane is head of the public sector division at Microsoft South Africa. Cabello, you're not doing this alone. You are partnering with Government's Jobs Fund. Yes, absolutely, Hilton, uh, and thank you for the opportunity. Uh, so uh, we launched today the, uh, uh, the Microsoft uh, Student to Business Initiative in partnership with the uh, uh, you know, Jobs Fund, uh, which is essentially uh, a program that's uh, targeting youth unemployment and uh, through which we aim to train uh, over the next three years 3,000 unemployed youth, and that meaning obviously unemployed graduates as well as unemployed school leavers, uh, effectively, um, with relevant skills, uh, skills that would enable them to uh, gain full employment uh, in the uh, tech industry. Obviously looking to bridge that gap between people, graduates, school leavers who have a specific set of skills and a workplace that demands and requires certain experience and and certain other skills. How big is that pool, do you think? Is there a big pool of of people that that are unemployed and don't have the experience to to necessarily join the workforce? Yes, uh, from our um, you know studies and what we've uh, what we've gathered um, of the, the the official unemployment statistics uh, of about 25 percent in the entire country, uh, we posit that about 70 percent, uh, 70 to 75 percent of that is a huge uh, percentage uh, overall, and effectively that's the market that we're targeting. 
in line with uh, government's uh, priority around, uh, you know, uh, the eradication of unemployment in the country. The types of graduates, the types of school leavers, and the types of jobs that you'll be able, you'll be looking to to prepare them for. Give us give us some insight into into uh, what kinds of of people you're looking for and what kinds of jobs you're going to try and get them positioned for. As Microsoft, uh, you know, being a technology company, we would obviously be looking for. Um, you know, youth that we could essentially train for the technology sector. Um, we have an extensive uh, ecosystem of, uh, you know, partners and uh, stakeholders that we deal with both in the public and private sector. And effectively, the youth that we're looking, looking for is, you know, both uh, graduate youth and, and youth that doesn't uh, possess any uh, sort of graduate skills or, or, or qualifications for that matter. And we try and meet the youth um, where they are and take them through a 12-month internship program that would essentially empower them with both uh, business skills as well as uh, technology uh, capability to be able to be uh, productive in the workplace. Kabila, where can someone find out more information about this? We might have uh, listeners in parts of the country who perhaps meet some of these, these criteria and, and would like to find out more information. For all those interested in the program, uh, they could uh, simply visit our website, which is www.s2b, and that's uh, S for sugar, 2 for, as in the numeral 2, uh, uh, B, uh, program.com, uh, forward slash South Africa. Kabelo Makwane is head of the public sector division at Microsoft South Africa. And indeed, that's where we'll leave it for this Friday evening. From myself, Hilton Tarrant. And myself, Gugulet Mfupi. Have yourselves a great weekend. We're back on Monday, 6 o'clock. It's 6.30 now, and time for game plan.